Hey, dude. How's it going, man? Hey, I'm good, man. How are you? A little nervous, dude. A little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I totally feel that, man. But uh, yeah, nothing to be nervous about at all. And It's just, you know, putting my shit out there, right? It's like, yeah. well, things. Yeah, yeah. Dude, but real talk, man. Like, you gave me like a lot of confidence and a lot of like strength and somehow like I've never heard another dude talk about, you know, being molested and shit. And when I heard, I, I first saw you on TikTok and I, I was just like, what the fuck? And then I went to your like your <laughs> podcast. It's been like one of the best dude, like seeing your shit is probably one of the, like the best things that's ever happened to me as far as like my road to recovery and shit. Thank you so much for saying that. So glad to hear that it had that impact on you. I mean, that's like exactly why I wanted to do this stuff. And I know from my own experience how healing being open can be. And it's just the most encouraging thing to hear. And not even like, all right, obviously like hearing your voice and it was just hearing other people as well, right? And one of the things that I guess a lot of people that have gone kind of through this experience is judge it based on the story they hear from the other person. Like I'm like less fucked up than them. My story wasn't as big or whatever, but it's, yeah. we all go through the same shit no matter what. Right. So totally. And, and I think that a lot of people feel oftentimes that their trauma is sort of invalid when they hear about the really extreme cases. And it's just the opposite, you know, it's like, no matter what you go through, the feelings that you have are valid. And just because somebody got more fucked up than you doesn't mean that you weren't affected by what happened to you. For sure, dude, for sure. That's like, <laughs> um, I, I forget the name of the kid, right? That he was like really young and he like got molested by his dad and his friend also was in the same situation. And then his he like... Dude, this, this must have been like the fourth one that you did or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was uh, Will, Will Ogden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that was the first time I compared my shit to someone else and was like, like hearing him talk, I listened to the same shit that I would tell myself. Hearing his words, I heard him in me or I heard myself in him, right? And I was just like, okay, like get your shit out there, you know, like – I love it, man. Yeah, it's, it is it is funny when you start hearing the same <clears throat> thought processes and the same, you know, just knowing that people have been through the same things as you and know how you feel is a really freeing feeling in and of itself. Oh, yeah, it is. I'm happy to have you here. So Awesome, dude. Awesome. Dive right in. So, Lewis, what happened to you? All right. Um it all happened for me when, all right, so my background, I'm, I was born in Ecuador, raised in Miami. I came to the U.S. when I was in 89. I must have been three-ish three or so. So lived in Miami my whole life. All my family came to the U.S. eventually a year or two after I came, right? So my story was pretty much growing up with my entire family all the time, like weekends, every single thing of my, my existence for pretty much my you know, elementary school years was involved with my family. Mm -hmm. So in the summer of going from fifth grade to sixth grade, one of my older cousins, he started to be honest, like a lot of these things, I know I've blocked in my head about where it started and how it started or any yeah. of that stuff. But I do remember my first experience was it was a sleepover and we were in, I, I slept in his room and prior to this point, 
nothing had happened. Nothing weird in my life had happened. I've known in my family, there's been cases where people were being molested at that same age, but it was something that was really never talked about. And it was just going through like the cousin circle, right? I had seven aunts. So there was a lot of, a lot of cousins there. So um, how did you find that out about the molestation that had been happening? After I got molested. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. After I got molested, dude. And, and this was maybe like the third, fourth day after I got molested. All right. So it first started with just like, hey, let's jerk off together. After that, it went from, yo, um, I've never had another like dude like give me head before. Mm-hmm. And every single time this would happen or as it led to it, it would be like, don't tell anyone. I'm going to tell your, your parents. I'm going to tell the family. No one's going to believe you. you know? And it was just like constantly being fed. So it was like threatening basically right away. I, I'm not going to see the language threatening, but I mean, pretty much. Honestly, dude, like if you hear someone tell you, especially like he was someone I looked up to like a lot and hearing him tell me like, don't say shit to anyone. And then eventually it would be like, no one's going to believe you. They're going to believe me beforehand. Yeah. Dude, one time I remember that we, maybe we fucked, we didn't fuck that day, but my, he, we used condoms for the first time ever. And he threw them out in, the, in, in, like the toilet in one of like the common shared bathrooms and my mom found the condoms. Mm, yep. Yo. Condoms don't flush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I, I even still lied because I, I just remember him always telling me like, they're always going to take my word before they take your word. And it was like slow buildups to like giving him oral sex on like a lot. And then we like fucked, you know, maybe like, a handful of times, dude. I can't really remember how many times that happened. Yeah. But um, it all pretty much changed. Like in my head, I was, you know, I was pretty much sad, always a victim about it, like no matter what, right? But there was a turning point where it was still somewhere in that summer period where my parents, we were at one of my aunt's house and this is where like everyone usually hung out. And my parents had asked me, well, asked everyone to go take a shower. And this motherfucker went upstairs and asked my brother to go take a shower with him. And I knew it. Like, I immediately knew that he was the next person in line. Wow. So I told my brother, I, like, I, I picture myself, like, telling him, like, hey, get out of here. My mom's calling you. I pretended to say something. And mm-hmm. I literally, like, told myself from this day on, like, no one's going to get hurt besides me. Right. And I remember telling him, like, use me only. From that period to like, I would say weeks before that, I started finding out like he was doing it to another cousin of mine. And another cousin told me because one day he saw me leaving his room and he's like, did he just do that to you? Right. And I was kind of like, I fuck man. I, I, maybe I lied about it. Maybe I said no or something that way, but it was obvious I was lying. Shortly after that, I found that that the same dude that told me this, another cousin, like an extended cousin of mine was fucking around or at least tried to do the same thing to another like younger cousin of mine. Wow. And like what I've pretty much discovered like through all this like journey, cause I'm gonna be telling you that like 2020 for me was probably like the best year of my life. I went into like major, major like COVID, you know, COVID therapy, right? Like I was stuck in my apartment most of the time. I was doing therapy once a week and it was just like living in my own, like, you know, trying to heal and stuff like that. It was just like, 
my family was full of those type of secrets. No one talked about it. It wasn't something that anyone could say. As a matter of fact, even yesterday, I was talking to my sister, like, you know, I'm nervous about coming on here and like telling my story and how much of like of my own personal shit, like I would give away. I'm not, I have no problem with that, but more of like my family stuff, right? How much can I say? Like, I don't want to hurt anyone, right? Yeah. And she told me yesterday that one of my aunts and her were discussing like what happened to me. And I've never told my family, right? It's been like passed down because everyone talks and, you know, like gossip, family gossip. Mm-hmm. I've only told my parents and that was like two last year. <laughs> and uh, some of my family members, as they were getting kids, I was like, make sure you stay away from this fucker. Mm. And somewhere down the line, he had told people that it was him at first that was fucking with me, but then it was all my fault afterwards. You know, like <laughs> I was the dude that was like some bullshit, like, oh, that I used to like go to his church and look for him. And I was just like, what the fuck? You know, like I wish, yeah. like hearing that shit yesterday, I was like, oh my God, I was such a fucking idiot as a kid, as a kid, right? Like, oh, we all are. And yeah, also, yeah. It's like, what? So, uh, yeah, I raped him, but then, but, but now it's his fault. It's so silly. Yeah, yeah, dude. There is two times in my life where I confronted him, right? And he even had told me stuff like he admitted that it was his fault at first. All right, we're good with that. But then it, it followed up with he went to church and used the church as his like crutch. Like it was worse for me because I was a church person. And according to God, that's even worse. And then mm-hmm. you wanted it more. That was in probably like when I turned 20, something around there. And that was just like, holy fuck, maybe it was me all this time. Like mm. not knowing or anything that way, because dude, until I turned 30, I'm 36 right now. Until I turned 30, I didn't tell a single person. Yeah. Like it was just, I told like girlfriends that I had, my brother sometime, my sister sometime, and maybe like a family member here or there that had kids, right? And I was just like, when they were still around, I was like, make sure you stay away from him. Try to protect them. Yeah. Yeah. And when this all started, how old you were in fifth or sixth grade and how old was your cousin? He's probably three or four years older than I was. I am now. It's in that relationship between yourself at that age, you're so impressionable from people that are even just a little bit older than you. And because I remember, you know, I, I have a cousin who I'm still very close with. And at that age, I looked up to him so much. Like, I mean, I, he did this like weird, like nose twitch thing. And I just started doing it because mm, I was like, yeah, yeah, this guy's the fucking man. And, you know, I st- still love him and care about him. But you are so susceptible to doing things just as a result of people being a little bit older than you. And yeah. if like my cousin, for example, like whatever he told me at that time was just a fact in my mind. And if, if in your situation, you know, if he says to you, hey, nobody's going to believe you if you speak up, they're going to believe me. That's, that's what's going to happen. You don't know any better at that age to be able to decipher like how people are going to respond and, and what the actual responses will be. So it's, I totally understand why it was so hard to speak up. And it's really amazing that you were willing to sacrifice yourself to protect your other cousins and just, you know, basically be like, this is, you can only do this to me. I mean, that's a Dude, I- heroic <laughs> thing to do. It was definitely a way to cope. I, I, I like looking back at it. I see it maybe as a two thing, right? Getting my cake and eating it too, right? Like being the protector, but at the same time, like, dude. So 
I struggled with this shit for such a long time, right? It was, I guess, like, all right, so that happened, and it, it happened through, like, middle school, and then eventually, it went to maybe my first year of high school, something around there, my high school years, it was, like, maybe here and sometimes here and there, but at that point, dude, it wasn't all him at that point, right? It was just, like, me seeking him, and that fucked me up so much, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just this thing where I was just, like, I, I, all right, so let me explain before I start. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So during this whole, like when I was, you know, was going through all this stuff, right? I remember the first time that I had sex with him and it was just, you know, don't don't say anything, you know, like just thinking back, right? It was just like, put your pants down, here it goes. And uh, I remember I went to the bathroom that day and I was crying and stuff like, fuck, fuck, you know, this is like, this is the worst it's ever been. And I like looked myself in the mirror and I just like told myself, when you leave this bathroom and you touch the doorknob, open the door, nothing happened to you. Mm. And I build this process in myself where it happened time after time. And I would be, all right, nothing happened. I would walk outside and just like pretend the world was okay, right? And I took that shit and I applied it to pretty much everything in my life. Feelings don't matter, you know? I pretty much didn't know, since I didn't tell anyone, right? I didn't know how to process what happened to me. It was just me and myself trying to figure it out. And a lot of the times I was getting someone blamed for the reasons things were going like against me. I blamed my dad for a long time. You weren't there to protect me. But I didn't even know that I was like mad at him. I just took the whole thing like, you're not supportive for school. And I ran with it for such a long time. Like every single event in my life from that point that I like the doorknob thing was something weird happened to me, something bad happened to me. I just like picture a doorknob in my head. I touch it. There's nothing that I like worry about. And as I like went through the years, I remember like I had a girl from my high school sweetheart, right? I start ninth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember she would always tell me stuff like through our relationship, like you're like never there. You're just like a robot sometime. And I would always think to myself like, you know, fuck emotions. You don't need them, right? These, this is like, you know, they just ruin things for you. And it went all that way through like my 20s pretty much all my 20s, like my early 30s, where it was just like something that I had built up so much for myself that I didn't let people in. Like intimacy wasn't a thing for me, right? Like I tried my hardest, like in my past relationship. I I remember her telling me that there was periods where she was just like, can you stop putting your wall up? And I didn't even know what the hell she was talking about, right? I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm I can't, I, I blame this whole thing of being molested. Like, you know, it fucked me up. I'm, I'm not like, I'm worthless. All these things that I would like make myself believe. I dealt with what I dealt at like, you know, 13, 11, whatever, right? And yeah. just rationalized it for myself. Like, this just means that no one really gives a fuck about you and, and stuff like that, that kind of mentality, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that carries on. I mean, if you don't have like a, phase of healing that i mean that's what you know that's how you were able to survive the experiences that you had and it's just what we take with us into the future and you don't you know we process these things in such different unique ways but the consistent thing seems to be whatever got you through it is what you will continue to do until you do something to change it 
but if that's it was like a survival mechanism basically and it's totally reasonable for you to be responding to things at any point in life um without having healed from that like like yeah pretty much right like and and it came from everything like it came to like I think honestly, the two major things that impacted the most were like my intimacy with others. I saw my value in how much people wanted to have sex with me. There was periods in like where I would like hook up with people or where I would, you know, be with my like exes and stuff. And there may be days where we wouldn't have sex. And like internally, I was like, she must not be into me anymore. And mm. dude, even I was in a relationship, my last relationship was like seven plus years, right? And there was periods where I still had to like, make myself believe that because we didn't have sex some days i was still worth something and mm-hmm. dude fucking crazy right like yeah i think about it now and i'm like okay i mean i should have gotten help a little faster right but <laughs> yeah but i mean it's it's yeah yeah it's easy yeah. to in it, retrospect yeah. look back and be like oh how did i not see help I, I think, this sooner yeah yeah i think that's one of the things that i learned the most out of like going to therapy and trying to like really deal with this was I put like my adult brain in like the little kid that used to be me. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you could have done this different. You could have done this different. Right. But the kid back then didn't know anything. Right. It's just me thinking for, for him. Right. So, yeah, we, yeah. And, and we all do that. You know, it's like, it, it's so frustrating to think back on the way that you used to act and like how, of course, if we could go back now with our yeah. adult brains, it would be, right. it, it would be so simple to get out of those, or maybe not simple, but there's all these things that you could have done differently that are easy to think about now and, and blame yourself for not acting that way then. But in reality, we're not capable as kids of responding how we expected, expected ourselves to behave when now that we're this age, you know, it's, it's something that I think a lot of victims do. And there's shame involved with that. Like, how could I possibly not say something sooner? How could I, for me, it was like, how did I let this go on for two years? Like what took me so long, you know? And, um, it's just, there's, it's a never ending, uh, you can never run out of reasons, uh, why you should have done this or should have done that. But at the end of the day, I mean, it, all you can really do is accept what happened and recognize that you're not that person anymore and that, um, you know, you can heal from it. Yeah. Yeah. A 1 million percent, man. Let me ask you a question actually. Sure. So my, like, like my experience is different than yours. Everyone's is different, but I waited a really long time to say something Mm -hmm. like I was 30 years old and I actually told my parents for the first time I was 30 by telling them like, Hey, I want to tell you something. I'm bisexual, but it's just because I was molested. Mm -hmm. And then it was just like, have this and we'll talk in a little bit. Yeah. And all the shit that came, you know, those years, I really didn't say stuff. I didn't like process stuff like with anyone do you feel like by you saying something earlier in your life that you don't have maybe as much hang hangups about stuff or is it something that you still like deal with? That's interesting. I, I don't know because I don't know what it's like to hold on to it for okay. you know, yeah, many, many years, mm-hmm. but I, I think that it's less about, when you speak up, I mean, obviously the sooner you can speak up, the better, but I think it's less about that and more about when you're willing to accept what's happened in, in mm. process and deal, because, you know, I spoke up when I was 10, but that didn't mean that I was healing. You know, I spent, let's see, 12 years before I started doing stand up about it, 13 years. And 
when I started talking about it, that's when I really began to heal. But for that time frame in between when I spoke up and when I started doing stand up, you know, there was no real progress in terms of healing myself. So I, I don't know if. Did you go to therapy, dude? I went to therapy when I initially told my parents and it, I really didn't like it because I had just had to go to court and okay. I was okay. so tired of talking about this thing and yeah, I just didn't yeah. want to. And then I went to therapy about nine months after I started doing stand up when I was in New York. And I, you know, at that point I was super open about it and I just came in like really hot on the first therapy session. And I was like, all right, like <laughs> here's everything that happened to me and yeah. like where I'm at and stuff. And that therapist ended up saying like, Hey, like, you don't, you don't uh, really need to be here. Like you found a way to process this that is working for you. And Shit, it's, that's awesome. it's, yeah, it was great. Um, it's different for everybody, yeah. but I definitely am going to go back to therapy at some point because I think that I, could benefit from it now more so because at that point I was still like, and I still am in like the stand up high, you know, rush of doing this stuff and how good it feels. But I think that it, that feeling just really comes from speaking up openly about what happened to you, whether you do that in therapy on stage or just talking with family about it, you can get those, those feelings of, of healing just by putting it all on the table and not feeling like you have to repress anything or, you know, but to answer your Original question. I really do think it just comes down to when you're willing to process what happened. Dude, that makes complete sense. All right. So I didn't tell my family, but I would tell strangers. I would mm -hmm. tell strangers pretty much whatever they were able to hear. And like that in, made it in easy what context? Like, oh, God. Um, you like just passing people on the street? Like, yo. <laughs> nah, dude. Like, I would be at a bar and just like yeah. tipsy and blah, blah. Or people that we were just, I don't know, just random people that I would talk to mm -hmm. and just, you know, talk about life stuff. And then somehow, some way I got in there and, and just said stuff. It became easier to say the words out loud. Yeah. But dealing with it was still something I never really did until like last year, dude. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of people who are at a certain, whatever age in their head seems like, oh, it might be too late to speak up. People can get trapped in that sort of arbitrary number that they've assigned in their head. And, and they're like, well, if I had done it earlier, then I would have been able to heal. But now it's like, it's too big of a part of me. I have too much stuff going on in my life. There's all these reasons that people come up with for not speaking up, but it's never too late. You know, <laughs> it's like, it, it's the perfect time. Always. It's the perfect time to speak up if you haven't already. It, it really doesn't matter when. It really doesn't make a difference to like, you're right. Yeah. Right. Like, I've always feel, I, I mean, I've honestly, I felt that I've been lucky enough to like where I work to be able to like, get therapy and get it like really, really cheap. I don't know if it would have helped earlier in my life or whatever, but I feel like wherever I am right now is probably the best time for like me to like even start realizing all this stuff and everything else. Yeah. All right. So how I coped with this stuff, it was self-worth was nothing in my vocabulary, right? Like I just honestly believe that I was like a piece of shit. I felt like bad for myself. And why? Because you were always involved in this stuff. And that made me feel like I was his property, like at any point, dude. And there was something that I was like pretty scared in my twenties, like my thirties, um, my early thirties was what if he like hit me up again, dude, I was always terrified to be like, if he called on me, would I be able to like say no to him? Dude, I felt like a prisoner of his and I was so fucking ashamed of it, dude. I don't think I've, I was able to tell anyone this until maybe like last year. 
it was just that that thing and even though in my in my head i was always like no fuck you're not an idiot right you're not going to do this right there was still some doubt in my head like fuck dude like what if yeah that was always like a thing definitely i bet and what was that experience like because you said it stopped when you were uh, like going into high school roughly yeah yeah so were you guys still interacting like throughout life yeah dude he was he was part of my family right like Mm -hmm. it was slowly being separated as i didn't talk to you like i wouldn't be around certain situations he wasn't around or it was vice versa right like he like disconnected himself from the family which like really helped out right like me still being able to be there and not feel any kind of weird but the days that he was there it was pretty much all i thought about like when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Yeah. How can you not? I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a scary situation to be. Yeah, in dude, sure. 100%, man. And I really felt like I was his property, dude, for such a long time that it was just like, you're pathetic, you're pathetic, you're pathetic. And that's all I knew at that age. And that's all like, that was my truth at that age. So it was just something that I kept believing to myself, like all these years, dude, having that like idea in my head that I became one, I was a survivor out of all this. Right. Cause eventually when I turned, you know, as I was getting older, I was like, you know, maybe I didn't come out that fucked up. Right. Like I've heard a lot of people leave the situation and they're like, you know, have a lot of issues in their life and you know, things aren't going that bad for me, but it was just me lying to myself to make myself to cope, to cope yeah. with what the things that I didn't see back then, even if they were like straight up in my, in my face. Right. Like something like this, dude, I remember in seventh grade, I had a, uh, my science teacher, you know, when you have like sex week at school, mm-hmm. right. And they talk about all this stuff. One of my, my teachers had said that having anal sex with a man, sex, a uh, condom or no condom, you get HIV or AIDS. Whoa. And I remember I got it wrong on my test because I had put, um, you know, basically I said, if you have sex with a condom, you're straight. And I got it wrong on my test. And I went to, t- I went into everyone left in the class and I went to tell him like, Hey, I got this wrong. Are you sure? He's like, yeah, you have sex with the man condom or no condom. You'll have AIDS, dude. <laughs> what? Seventh, seventh grade. I thought I had AIDS all the way until I took my first STD test. And when I got back my first STD test, I was like, that must be wrong. What? Your science teacher said that if you have yeah. sex with a yeah. guy, you'll get AIDS regardless yeah. of the circumstances. Yep. Yep. What? <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> Was that just like the standard teachings at the time? Or I don't know. I don't know. I, I really thought about that, right? Like I was like, maybe it was a different time. Must have been late 90s, something around there. Maybe it was different. You know, stigmas and stuff are like that were a lot worse back then, right? For sure. Yeah. But that's terrifying to find out that on top of having to, on top of going through all of this, now you have like what at the time would be a permanent a de- ramification. Right. Yeah. Right. A death sentence. Yeah. 100%, dude. I, I like, I remember one day in seventh grade, I was like all in my head about it, right? Like, what's, I remember, I, it was uh, something like, I was helping cut a piece off a Christmas tree, right? And I was just outside and I kept thinking to myself, I have a few days to live. I have to get all my orders, like my, all my things in order, right? Tell everyone that I love them. I went to the bathroom. I cried about it. I was like, nope, nothing happened. And I would leave, come back until I got so much that I couldn't hold into again. I would go to the bathroom and do my ritual of like, nothing's wrong with me. Like no one can see me cry. No one can see me like this or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so hard when you feel like you can't express yourself. And when you, you know, 
holding grabbing the door handle and being like as soon as i go out this door nothing happened it is a foundation for uh suppression and feeling like you can't ex- express these experiences or talk about these things openly and at that age we're forming our personalities whether we're aware of it or not it it has lasting effects and it's yeah it's forming the building blocks that you go into adulthood right like right. ignore the stuff that's important or the stuff that becomes too much to handle find a way to like not think about it. Right. Yeah. And I think that we subconsciously or consciously look for reinforcement about the behavior that we've been doing and it makes it easier to just further bury that stuff down. Did you think about it all? What would happen to your family? If you, if you told your parents, like while it was going on, like thinking about how my family was back then, my mom and dad would probably have hidden it, Mm. dealt with whatever had to dealt with, with, the aunt that was in charge of him, his, his mom, my aunt was, um, dude, I'm not hundred percent sure this happened such a long time ago, but she had a tumor in her brain and she wasn't like, she, she was there. Right. But she, she was disabled. Mm-hmm. So my other aunts would pick up the slack and like be, you know, more of a parent for him. So I always thought that it would go back to that and then them not believing or taking his, his story. So in my head, it was just like, that's how it worked. I hung my hat in you know, I'll protect my cousins, you know, I'll be like the meat shield. And then from that point on, like, it it gave me like, okay, reasons to feel fucked up. Okay, they came with like, you know, an excuse not to feel that bad because I was doing something else, right? But it was definitely, it wouldn't be able to be talking to my family because everyone was hiding it from everyone. It was Mm -hmm. like, my younger cousins was happening and I know they never said anything. My older cousins, it was happening to them and they never said anything. It was just like, within us, we kind of knew and then it was just that. And was that all from all of your cousins happening to all your cousins? Was that all from the same cousin? I would want to say that maybe one more was for one for sure was that cousin that I can verify, but I'm not a hundred percent sure when it came to everyone else. And I, I have a feeling inside that maybe it was him, but like what I decided to take in my head was like, I was stopping the cycle. Right. So much of whether or not we speak up is a product of our environment, the people that we're around. If the people that you know this is also happening to are also not saying anything, it makes it even harder to speak up. You normalize it more like it happened to everyone, right? Like I sometimes even think like if it happened to my other cousins, how come they haven't said anything or how come they're not as like fucked up in some things as I am, but like, I see them and I'm like, Oh, here you go. You know, right. now, now, now I, now I see it. Right. And what is the experience like now that you've spoken up? Like, have you talked with any of your cousins who have also experienced that since then? I've said stuff, but no one's ever said anything out loud to me. Mm-hmm. Some people aren't ready to, for, you know, whatever reason they've had different experiences than you and they just feel like they can't. And it's okay. You know, you can really only be responsible for yourself, but even though they might not feel like they can talk yet, I have no doubt that your honesty about these experiences will allow them to talk about it in the future, or at least make them feel better knowing that they weren't alone and that you can get to a point where you can talk about these things openly. So it's, and it's like, it's like what you said, right? Where maybe they feel the time gap has gone to like, okay, maybe it's not uh, important anymore. Right. It happened such a long time ago. Right. I'll deal with it when I have, you know, when things are a little better, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Uh, You know, I've had people reach out to me who've been like, you know, over 50 
who were like, Hey, I, I was planning on taking this to my grave. And uh, now I'm telling you. <laughs> so it really is that simple. It's just seeing people speaking openly. Dude, about like real talk, man. Like the impact that you've had, man, like on so many people's lives, like it's pretty awesome. Right. Like, do you ever think to yourself, like, God damn, like I found a purpose for all this shit that happened. <laughs> Thank you, dude. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. It does feel uh, very purposeful. And it, it, it's like being able to not just hear people's responses, which are amazing, but to then actually be able to speak with people like yourself and, and hear these things. Yeah, it's, it's a really incredible feeling. And it's, I, I don't know, it feels like the perfect time to be doing all of this stuff. There's never been a better time in terms of being able to broadcast your voice yep. and get your message yep. out to people with technology and social media. And you think about th the problem of child molestation, abuse in general has been happening for thousands of years. And if we don't talk about it, it's going to continue to happen. So it's, it does feel really, yeah, it's a, it's a really good feeling and it's nice to have taken, you know, be able to take something that was so traumatic and, and turn it into something that is positive. And, you know, like every conversation feels good. This conversation feels great. Every time right. that you speak about it, it becomes easier to talk about. And that's why I encourage people to speak up is it's like the first time is the hardest time but you don't even realize that like you have the opportunity to turn this incredibly negative experience into something that can transform you into somebody who like you can really grow as a person. And, and rather than pushing this thing down and feeling like you just don't ever want to feel any of those feelings again, you know, you can really um, transform it into something that you're uh, maybe proud. Isn't the right way. I'm not proud that I got molested, but I right, right. no longer ashamed. But it's like a, a weird difference. badge, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> you did it, at least you're coming out of it the right way, right? Like, yeah. When you say that 2020 was the best year of your life in terms of healing and, and everything, can you speak a little bit more about that and what sure, the sure. process has been like for you? It all started, right? It had to start with uh, my last relationship. We were together for seven and change years. We were engaged and then we ended up breaking up. And with her, she would always tell me like, you know, you're not emotionally available. You're not like present and stuff like that. And I would understand what she would, was telling me, but it would always be more of a, I was molested. You know, it's hard for me to get these things. Right. And she even told me once, like, stop making that shit an excuse. She didn't say in a bad way, but it was more of like everything that I, I didn't know what I was, how to heal, or I didn't know how to like the feelings that were going through me. I didn't really know how to express them, say them out loud or even understand them. So a lot of it was just like, Oh, I'll just like notch it up to like just being molested. Right. And being like a fucked up person who's like worthless, dude. I remember being, there was times when I was with her and I was like, you know, coming home drunk as fuck and just like crying to her and being like, why are you with me? I'm a piece of shit. I don't really matter. Stuff like that, dude, stuff mm. that I believe to my fucking core, you know? Yeah. So I'm in DC right now and we went from like Miami over here and there was kind of a transition period for the both of us. And we got here and we we're like, okay, let's go find like, help. We were already engaged. Let's go find a couple therapists, whatever. We found one, wasn't the best person, but she told us like, you guys are not working split up. So we did just that. Right. Wow. Yeah. And, um, the person who I like originally went, asked for like help for, for, for my girlfriend and I, or my ex-girlfriend and I, right. Um, she was specialist in emotionally focused therapy, which I thought well, perfect. Right. I don't know how to deal with my emotions and stuff. Yeah. And, um, and couples work and this thing called EMDR. And um, 
the day that my ex left DC, two days later, three days later, this therapist calls me up and she's like, Hey, I have a spot available. And do you want to like, you know, start therapy? So of course I did that. And it was like 2019. It was maybe I did a, a few times here and there where it wasn't always, I was like traveling for work or there was some, some type of excuse. And then 2020 happened, right? Where I told myself coming in here, I was just like, I'm just going to like really like dig into all my shit and really try to like come out of this heel. And EMDR is this type of treatment that um, you put like a, a light bar or something in front of you. You follow the light bar, there's like a clicking to it, right? So as you move your eyes, you kind of, I don't want to say you get into a trance, but with the help of a therapist, they can help you put you back into a traumatic experience. I dealt with this whole thing with my sexuality for such a long time because it was just like, I like women. I like, you know, I want to be with a woman, but I still don't get why I can get hard with a dude, right? And that was just something that it really fucked with me for such a long time. Like I'm pretending to be gay, whatever. I'm like pretending to be straight. I'm like really gay, but I don't really understand why I like women so much still. Yeah. Whatever. I learned all this other stuff. And um, with EMDR, the first, the first time I ever did it, it's kind of when I first learned to myself that I'm really not a piece of shit. It's kind of like picture of time that you were getting molested. Can you see it? Can you like, like feel it? Can you remember the sounds that you heard around you? Can you remember, remember I was wearing? And just following that light, dude, I was placed back in that situation. And it lets you deal with like trauma that's happened to you as like you're watching a movie, not the story that you created in your head, but more of what actually went on. Mm. And it just shifts to different things where you start thinking all these like things that like connect to that trauma. With my therapist one day, she was, we were talking about, you know, not always being able to escape that feeling of like feeling worthless. So she told me, give me a time where you felt like you were like worthless with reason. There was this time I was my ERP, it must've been ninth grade. My parents, he, I lived in an apartment building and he lived a couple floors up with my grandmother and he came to use the computer. In my head, it was just like, okay, things are going to happen. Okay, I can't believe I'm saying this shit. Okay. <laughs> so then he's working on whatever the fuck he has to do. And I am like, the computer's like right here. And I'm probably like right there where that couch is, like just jerking off, hoping that he looks at me. Just like, you know, pay attention to me. Like, what the fuck? With my therapist, she's just like, picture yourself looking at him and you jerking off. And basically it's like a movie, right? Where I was just standing on the side and being like, what's that feeling he's feeling like, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not worth it. Why isn't he looking at me? Like, I'm pathetic for even trying to get his attention. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me, right? So going back to that in my head and like, at least like, dude, like the feeling of shame when I even talk about that is in my head as I was trying to like engage with that, my teenager was just jerking off there, like, I remember just like looking at him from like visually, mentally a thing, right? And just making eye contact with him and just like breaking down because I felt so bad for him. Like you, you're like a loser looking at yourself, right? But I was talking about myself. Mm. Dude, I don't even know. Like, it sounds so crazy to even think that, but those kind of things like really help you heal because you're talking about yourself to someone else who's yourself. It was the first time where I actually believed Okay, they're just not words that you're saying anymore. You're not a piece of shit. 
uh, that all of those therapy experiences seem to have to do with putting yourself back into the experience that you had. And I haven't done EMDR or, or anything really like that, but I have spent quite a bit of time as a result of doing standup, deconstructing the experiences that I had. And I think that there's so much value in being willing to put yourself back into those scenarios and think about things and because every time that you do it, it can be so hard at times, especially, you know, people get triggered by all sorts of things and don't ever want to think about those things. Right, right. But allowing yourself to go back and experience them and, and really tap into your emotions. How are you really feeling at the time? I had a hard time like bringing it up and just staying in that feeling of like, you know, that vulnerability that I would be like, oh, this is too much. Fuck it. Forget about it. Forget about it. Right. Yeah. And that's what like. I had to really build up like this last, like 2020, right? I, it was like slowly, like just staying that, don't worry about it, just staying it and slowly allowing myself to not like, not neglect how I feel about stuff, just allowing myself to be like, all right, fuck, I'm sad. It's all right. Like, yeah, man. And it feels like, especially for guys, it's such a, we're brought up to not feel mm-hmm. feeling sadness and vulnerability and things like that. And it's very difficult to go back to experiences of molestation and not feel feelings like that. Yep. But if we can show people that like you, by allowing yourself to feel the feelings that you, that are within you, you can alleviate yourself from those feelings and they lose their weight and it no longer becomes something that you're afraid to think about. And you can just, it's our body's natural way of processing experiences. Perfectly said, dude. Perfectly said. Thanks, man. And yeah, I think it takes people like yourself and myself who have done it and can show you that you can come out the other side. And like, I don't get sad thinking about, I mean, I I, I get it. It's it's a different kind of sad. You know, I, I can think about my molestation experiences without fear. And without, uh, uh, you know, anxiety or anything like worrying that maybe it'll happen again, things like that. You know, you can, I can go back to these experiences and just know that I'm safe. You know, I can, I can, and, and when you're able to do that, you can really begin to unpack what happened to you without it, you know, (laughs) ruining you. Yeah, man. Therapy. Best shit that I ever could ever (laughs) done in my life, man. While I do think there is a lot of merit to letting go of the emotions that you had towards your abuser, you can heal yourself without having any interactions with them. You don't need them for anything. It's about being ready to acknowledge the shit that you that you yourself have been through, right? Because yeah. like I honestly, like you're right, right? I when I was twenty, I I tried finding answers to like all my shit, right? Like, you know, how fucked up am I really am by going to him because I was the only person who had experienced something similar and even telling you like my cousins right that i know for a fact went through the same shit mm-hmm. it's just not talked about do you think you'll send this to your cousins hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. so talking to my sister about this yesterday right and um she was like i didn't want to tell you this or whatever because like she had a conversation with my aunt about like you know just the stuff that's happened to me right and mm-hmm. one of my aunts has said to her like yeah it was him in the beginning but he like myself was also involved afterwards he was kept looking for him and stuff and like the fact that he got his story in there without you know his truth became a truth for part of my family I thought to myself like 
yo, I wish I would have said something sooner because now I have to like defend myself with my family telling them like, hey, obviously I was involved afterwards because that's the shit that you get through when you go through this kind of experiences, right? It's like yeah. a Stockholm thing, right? Dude, like I glorify that motherfucker, right? Like sure. to me, he was like everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny that that in his mind, the fact that he started it, but then he, you were initiating it as if that would make it okay. Yeah, like that yeah, doesn't yeah. make it that nothing about that makes it all right, you know. Yeah. But in yeah. his head, and and again, because it's normalized within within the family, and he's been doing this to other cousins, it's like it becomes something that you can genuinely believe and what a classic abuser thing to say yeah well he liked it you know <laughs> what that a was classic like, abuser thing to say yep <laughs> yeah man that was like i thought because i would get boners while i was getting molested and i thought and i've done bits about this but i i thought that that i thought that that meant that i was gay I thought that, I mean, that was enough for me to conclude that. And I also thought that if I spoke up that the guy who molested me would be like, yeah, I, I did that, but he had boners. Yeah, he liked dude, it. I thought like, that was enough. That it's, was like my existence back there. Right. Like, fuck, I'm, I'm getting hard. Right. And that was like a hard thing to explain to myself. Right. Like, yeah. I like chicks, but why am I getting hard with this? And my like fantasies always involved me getting molested with this fucker. It was just like, I'm not gay. Why am I getting boners? <laughs> right. Like, right. And, you know, arousal does not mean consent. Right. It doesn't mean attraction even. It can be for me, like, you know, I remember thinking to myself, like, <laughs> I would get mad at myself for getting a boner while this was going on because I was like, I don't want this guy to think that I like this. I don't. But then I got my first hand job like four years later from my girlfriend. And I was like, oh, this feels amazing no matter who does it, you know? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the time, you just don't have, you're just not uh, thinking straight. And it's. You're a kid, <laughs> we, dude. You're a kid. We have kids and we're too hard on our, our kid selves from our adult perspectives, you yep. know, but it's really amazing to see how much healing and improvement you've done even just in the last year and to see the, the, the spot that you're at now where you're able to speak about this completely openly and honestly and without shame or guilt or anything. It's, it's, it's fucking awesome, man. Dude, it's really fucking amazing for me to even say the words that I'm not the same person who I was last year, this time emotionally, like I can deal with shit. Like this guy, Alan Watts, who's a big British philosopher talks about spirituality and things like that. He has a quote where he says, you're under no obligation to be the person that you were five minutes ago. And mm. that can extend to any amount of time, yeah. no matter yeah. how you felt and no matter how long you felt that way you do not have to stay in that mindset. It's entirely up to you how you move forward with your life. And a lot of us, especially when we go through traumatic experiences, can fall into a, a rut of just being like, well, this happened to me. This is how I processed it. This is how I'm going to operate for the rest of, for my, the rest life. of my life. Yeah. Right. But it's not the case, just as evidenced by yourself. So, you know, it's a perfect uh, example of not, it's never too late to speak up and you can, you can heal immensely no matter what age you're at. Yeah. Dude, man. how old are you? I'm 25. 25. Holy shit, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. From the perspective that you have now, uh, after you've done all of this healing, what advice would you give to somebody who has been through something similar and is hoping to get to the spot that you're at now? The first thing I would say is don't use your adult brain to justify 
how the kid felt, you mm-hmm. know, cause you look back and you're like, why did I do this different? But like you were a kid back then. Right. And however you think now you're thinking I should have done this when a kid can't process any of that stuff, go talk to someone. Right. For sure. I've realized that like going through the trauma, especially a sexual trauma as a kid, it really like fragments you. Right. And you have parts of yourself that stay stuck in that kid mentality or, you know, yeah, pretty much that. Right. And like trying to bring yourself together and heal, like do it at all costs. Yeah, man. That's great advice. Accepting what happened and letting go and not blaming yourself. You, you can't have, we, we weren't thinking straight at that age. And even for people that have this experience later in life, Mm -hmm. you, you can never blame yourself for what happened. And even if the person says that it was your fault, uh, it's, it's not. And you shouldn't be ashamed of feeling any sort of emotions when it comes to this stuff. And if you can get to a point where you're not suppressing anything and just allowing it all to come up, it'll make life so much easier. I really hope to like, like the kind of courage you gave me dude, by hearing another dude talk about this stuff. And now I'm like talking to you about it and it's going to be like public information. Like I just hope, right. Like representation is such a big ass deal. Right. And like hearing another male talk about his experiences makes me feel like, okay, I have a community, right. Where I can be with someone. I want the same shit, right? I want someone like Brown Kid who's gone through my same shit be like, I see his story in mind some way, somehow, right? Like, oh, dude, I have no doubt that people will respond that way to this to this podcast and to you speaking out in general. Yeah, definitely, dude. Your podcast is amazing. <laughs> Thank you, man. You never know who will be able to relate to your story. You right. Know, a lot of people right. have cousins, you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's, yeah. it's a lot more common than we can even imagine. So I just, I can't thank you enough for coming on and everything you said is it's just the best feedback to hear. And thank you so much for doing Yeah, man. It. Thanks. Thanks, man. Thanks. This is, yeah. Dude, thank Fuck. you. Yeah, man. Now I'm, now I'm going to go out. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah.